Uh, tonight's meditation will be mostly of a devotional type. Uh, because today is, in, within the Tibetan calendar, the anniversary of when the Buddha first set the wheel of the Dharma in motion. That is the Buddhist way of saying the first time the Buddha taught. So we are going to do mainly just a meditation where we recite the mantra of Buddha Shakyamuni, which is very simple, Muni Muni Mahamuni Yesoha. And as we recite the mantra as much as many times as we would like to, we see ourselves being bathed by a shower of, of blessings in the form of light. And we see this light purifying us, also embellishing us, filling us with those qualities that we are aspiring to achieve. And especially to be purified of those times when we acted against truth. When that part of us we knew was on the side of truth and yet we allowed perhaps the overwhelming other part to make us act rather against the truth. We said something that was harmful. We did something that was harmful we held with delight to a conclusion that was wrong. In those times, we acted against truth, against Dharma. So, we see the blessings falling upon us like a shower of light, removing those stains that we accumulated at those times when we acted against truth, against Dhamma, against universal morality. And think of those qualities of the Dharma that we aspire to realize, to come face to face with the power of love and to be able to be a conduit for it, to know truth for what it actually is rather than what we assume it to be, and for that direct perception to guide our actions, guide our decisions. And you can also do a little bit of a somewhat of a Mahamudra type of medi almost me Mahamudra-like devotional meditation. As you're reciting the mantra, continue to have an intense aspiration to simply allow to let go. Whatever comes to your mind, 
let it go. No matter how enticing it may be, let it go until you reach a place where there isn't anything to let go of. It doesn't mean that a place of absolute nothingness, but a place where even when you let it go, you go back to what you let go, what you let go of. You can consider that to be uh, so. What uh, think of whatever arises in your mind, whatever thought, whatever emotion, whatever experience, whatever you are able to be aware of. Consider it to be uh, in this way, in this poetic way, merely the play of the Dharmakaya, merely the play of the fundamental nature of being. And of course, when you think that, your imagination will project how it would like the fundamental nature of being to be an ocean of bliss, an ocean of light, an ocean of energy, even those things you let go of. Let it reveal itself to you rather than you having to intellectualize, having to come up with what it's supposed to be. Okay, so you can let go of the body, let the body rest in its natural tranquility. <coughs> let the mind rest. Let the all the qualities of the mind, let them rest. Do not fight them, do not reject them, do not grasp onto anything. No matter how painful the mem a memory may come up and make you experience it, no matter how blissful the experience may be, let go. So in a sense, you consider the mantra to be a means of like uh, sailing on the ocean and being taken to the island of um, Dharmakaya, so to speak, which is kind of a strange. Usually, the Dharmakaya is the ocean, but just think of yourself as sailing towards Dharmakaya or sailing within Dharmakaya, and you're about to arrive at its very center. Okay. So if you don't feel any specific affiliation, any specific connection with the Buddha, just think of any teacher, any um, being, any person who has, having achieved um, perfect realization, where they dwell in perfect beingness, perfect freedom perfect certainty, perfect uh, contentment. And out of their inconceivable love and compassion, they remain to make sure that there's a legacy of this path that leads to such a state. So have the attitude of 
gratitude. Okay, so we begin even now with the attitude of letting go, letting the body go into, let it fall, so to speak, into its natural tranquility. Let the mind fall into its natural tranquility. Now it's just the intention. And you're discovering parts of the parts of you that is holding on to the body, holding on to the mind, trying to make the body tranquil, trying to make the mind tranquil. So we let those go. Become aware of your immediate environment. Connect with the natural tranquility that is within the environment. And once you've made that connection, then bring your attention to the body with the attitude of letting go and just let the body find the posture where it is connected with its natural tranquility. Make adjustments as your own intuition is guiding you to do so. You don't have to solicit your intuition to give you advice. All you have to do is just hold on to the intention to let go, hold on to the intention to allow the body to rest in its own natural tranquility. And just doing that, intuitive insights for making adjustments will come up naturally and you follow them. Hold that state of the mind while your attention is on the legs. Allow yourself to connect with tranquility through the legs. So you feel the legs in a state of tranquility. Stay with that tranquility for a few seconds. Then bring your attention to the arms, hands, elbows and shoulders.
sense you've made connection with tranquility through the arms, then stay with it for a few seconds. Make sure there's a palpable experience of something that you can label as tranquility. Then bring your attention to the torso. especially the back. Feel the palpable tranquility. Bring your attention to the head and neck. Each time you move from one part of the body to the next, be aware of the level of tranquility enhancing. <coughs> Let the mouth, teeth, tongue rest in their tranquil state. the eyes in such a way that the tranquility is further enhanced or stabilized, whether opened, closed, or half open depends on which one further enhances the tranquility. And gently bring your attention to the breath. and experience palpably the state of mind of letting go with the breath. Be aware of the lack of wanting to control the breath, the lack of wanting to force your mind to focus on the breath, the lack of wanting to do something about distractions, but rather just staying aware of the breath allowing the breath to be almost take guidance from the breath allowing the breath to show you where there is tension and allowing the breath to bring a sense of that same sense of tranquility to that part where there is a sense of tension.
to this initial experience of freedom, of letting go, non-grasping, non-rejecting, and the intention to keep the flow of your awareness on the breath unbroken while you follow the breath for 11 cycles. state of tranquility that you are now experiencing. Be aware of its manifestation in the body. Be aware of how it is experienced in the breath. And most importantly, how it is experienced in the mind. So within the level of tranquility that you are experiencing, bring your attention now to the space in front of you at the level of your eyebrows. And see there 
infallible teacher, infallible guide in the form of Buddha Shakyamuni. Sitting in the meditation posture and where his hand join there's a bowl of nectar let the form that you see be a means to direct you your mind to that inconceivable love and compassion that drove, that drives at someone to teach. nectar is the means to pu con totally purify yourself. All the qual spiritual qualities that you aspire to realize, the means to realize them. Spend some time admiring the infallible guide, aspiring strongly to experience the state your infallible guide resides. Your infallible guide's capacity to love. in a way that is inconceivable. To be constantly fully aware of the Dharmakaya. To have perfect certainty. To have perfect contentment and serenity, perfect freedom, 
incapable of being confined by time, space, matter, even consciousness. And think of those qualities in a way that are relevant to you. All those things, all those experiences that everyone is desperately seeking after in whatever, in all those countless ways that they're seeking after them, they are right there experiencing their perfect consummation in that being that is in front of you. And it exists as a guide to guide you perfectly, infallibly to that experience. What people seek to experience in acquiring this and that. What people are seeking to experience in making contact with their senses with this and that and can never seem to be able to find. It is finally found in that state, infallible guide. And the unconditional love, unconditional compassion them completely willing and ready to guide you. So have the state of readiness, willingness. You not don't allow them don't let the mind make you think that somehow you're getting something foreign to your nature. Something you have to force yourself to accept. what is being offered to you, what you are being guided to experience, to finally achieve, is that true experience that you find yourself seeking in all your activities, in your relationships. In your aspirations for this and that. Once you have some measure of conviction that indeed the infallible means to that experience, to that way of being is present, express your reverence. express your gratitude.
or whatever we are attached to. Those behaviors that we are attached to. The way we interact with others. The way we think. The way we act. that only lead us further away from achieving what we are truly seeking to achieve. The stains that they've left within us, the momentum, the habitual energy they left within us, coming up again as compulsions to continue to act in, the, in those harmful, delusional ways make a strong determination to stay away from them to abandon them holding others experience the same difficulties in your heart, embracing them with compassion and with your love, as much love, as much compassion as you can summon. And that measure of conviction that you are in the presence of your infallible guide, your infallible protector. begin to recite Shakyamuni's mantra and as you do so the nectar seems to have a life of its own it goes up goes to the crown gathers to the crown of your head and it begins to purify you. All those habits, all those delusional convictions that keeps us from achieving what we truly aspire to achieve. See ourselves being free of them.
attention to the breath. Be aware of the physical qualities of the breath, the weight, the temperature, and let, and let those the awareness of those qualities allow you to be aware of the gross physical body. a little bit. So nothing new tonight, we're just going to continue with the meditation. So right now we are mainly with the purification part, seeing the nectar purifying us. And as you're doing this, so when you when your mind goes to the mantra, Muni Muni Mahamuni Soha, uh, try to connect with the emotion of devotion. Uh, you know, bring to mind the thoughts that will that will that will invoke the emotion of devotion, like uh, especially thinking of today, that uh, as the story goes, the, after six years of uh, aesthetic practice and uh, doing different kinds of practices and not finding the truth through those kinds of practice, but achieving a real. Uh, uh, deep levels of meditation or, or, or high levels of consciousness, but not really finding the truth yet. And finally, on his own, he goes out and sits under the tree, which is now called the Bodhi tree, and he finds the answer. He finds the, the, the elixir to, our, to the problems of being, problem of, of, uh, of humanity, if you want to put it that way. <coughs> But after finding it, he is reluctant to teach it because he says that this is profound. I don't think people will be able to get it. But moved by compassion, moved by love for beings, and he begins, he, he stays there sort of surveying who, uh, who should receive this teaching, who is ready to receive this teaching. And, it, and, it, and according to legend, it said that he spent uh, seven weeks under the Bodhi tree, examining the world, looking over to see where to go, where to, where to sort of go and teach. And finally, after the seven weeks, he goes out, and the first disciples were the, his five companions, uh, early companions when he was doing uh, ascetic practices. And these were the first, and that's the first time he taught them was considered, uh, considered now he set the wheel of the teaching of the Dharma in motion. And according to Tibetan calendar, that's today is the anniversary of that. It's the eighth of the eighth of the Tibetan. Okay. Uh, so usually uh, on uh, days like this, it's considered to be auspicious to do uh, fasting. It's too late now to do fasting. <laughs> uh, 
it's considered to be an auspicious day because it is said that, uh, I mean, even though uh, I'm compelled by the superstition, sorry, I'm calling it superstition. <laughs> I, I, uh, so part of me considered to be superstitious that somehow this day has some special qualities to it that uh, uh, it allows you to accumulate uh, uh, a greater number of merit, greater number of virtue than other days would. Like what you would do today, uh, the merit will be uh, multiplied by, uh, uh, it depends on who you ask, I'm saying 100,000, 1,000 times, a million times, depends on who you ask. But it's supposed to be multiplied like a, an act of charity Let's give it. Let's give it a number. For example, if an act of charity were, were to give you 500 credits of merit uh, on a, on a normal day, the same act of charity on today and a day like this will give you 500,000 credits of merit. Okay, so that's why on days like this, people uh, do uh, meditation where they're mostly doing things of accumulating merit, where they're focusing on accumulating merit. And since today is specifically sort of like a, a day of uh, having a mind of gratitude towards Buddha Shakyamuni for having turned the wheel of the Dharma, and you think of it, it's not simply that he created this cultural event, but rather you have to think of it that uh, the means, uh, the very contentment that we are seeking to uh, achieve, that we are seeking to experience, when we, you know, at the end of a, of, of a particular acquisition, whether it is career, whether it is some, what's called some material acquisition, whether it is, um, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, making contact with, with your senses with something, you know, watching something, or listening to something, or drinking something, eating something, uh, somewhere within us, the reason, what forces us to to go ahead with that to go ahead with that action is because somewhere within us we are hoping we are aspiring to make contact with a, a sense of contentment a sense of satisfaction but we never quite fully make contact with that sense of satisfaction that's why we find ourselves the the, the next moment or the following day again in search of that contentment so it is that very contentment that the, that the Buddha uh, uh, set the path to achieve. So you don't have to consider that, oh, now I have to give give this up in order to achieve this thing which is foreign to me. The very thing that you're seeking to experience within your own being, that's what this path is going to lead you to. So this thing that you're attached to, you don't have to worry about uh, uh, having to let go of it. But rather you consider, that now I'm really going to be able to achieve what this thing is, is, is was supposed to give me, what I'm hoping this thing is supposed to give me. Now I have another means of getting it. It's like, uh, I don't know, uh, if you're somebody who drinks different kinds of alcoholic beverages, uh, you don't stick with just one. You try different ones because you think that different ones will give you, I'm, I don't know, I'm not a drinker, I'm, I'm probably saying complete nonsense, but <laughs> this, is my, my <laughs> this is my fantasy of what's supposed to be happening. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, some Grand Marnier, Grand Marnier, that's a, that's a, some people, you don't only drink Grand Marnier, if someone say, oh, uh, you're, you're not drinking it just because, oh, by buying this, I'm making the, the owner of Grand Marnier rich. That's not, the, <laughs> that's not your purpose. 
Your purpose is that I'm going to get something, something. This is going to help me get to a sense of contentment. Right? And if someone comes in and say, present you with, I don't know, is that a, is that a couvoici? Couvoicier? Couvoicier. Someone presents now couvoicier, you never had it before, but they, they, the way they're praising it, you're thinking that, ah, the reason that you will go for the couvoicier instead of the Grand Marnier is because you think that, ah, the couvoicier will make you connect that sense of contentment much better than the way the Grand Marnier uh, did. So, you, so it's not that you're giving up that the search for that buzz, now you think that this is the better way of getting it. So in the same way, don't think of the path that the Buddha laid out, even though it, you, know, it's, you, don't, you don't bring your glass in, in order to experience it. But um, you have to consider that it is that same thing that you're seeking at the end of that Grand Marnier or that Couvercier. That's, that's the very same thing that you, you're, you're seeking in this path, in this means. Uh, and the reason that we uh, find ourselves hesitating too much to take up a path is because we think that we have to let go. And we don't think that we have to let go of the Grand Marnier. We think that we have to let go of what the, what the Grand Marnier gives us. Okay? So don't, don't, don't think that way. Here is a way of getting what the Grand Marnier has been promising you that you spent thousands of dollars. And I know some people have spent thousands of dollars <laughs> in trying to get to, 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 to what the Grand Marnier is promising. But somehow you have to get another glass, another occasion in order to get to it. Okay? But here's the way of getting there and really getting there. Okay, so that's that's how you have to think of it, and that uh, uh, habitual tendency within us that somehow keeps straying us away from that. We have to have, don't feel uh, um, um, feel more a sense of compassion for that for you. So, uh, uh, bring your embrace yourself with love that uh, uh, for you who are con constantly deluded in trying to get to that contentment, but you are using a path that, it, that has been deluding you all these many, many, many uh, times. But still you find yourself propelled to continue on those paths that are not able to give you that, that sense of contentment. Okay? To feel compassion for you who are forced to be under the, 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 the power of that delusion as, you're, as you are reciting the mantra. Okay, feel yourself, feel, have compassion for yourself. And, uh, and think of specific incidents, think of specific habits that you wish to be free of, and then use the power of, of, of your devotion, whatever measure of devotion you have, and as you recite the mantra, see those uh, habitual tendencies being, being, uh, being washed away by the nectar. And when your mind presents you with the, what seems to be, wait a minute, that's a trick. Is ask, what is asking you to give up is that contentment. Don't fall for it. Now you have to read. You have to tell your mind, no, I'm, it's not the contentment I'm get. I'm, 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 I am getting. I'm uh, giving up. It's this means that doesn't quite get it, give it to me yet. It's like switching brand. You know, Grand Marnier now to the Couvoisier. 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 Okay. It's like it's like changing brand. Okay. Now you're changing brand. And you still have within yourself the hope, the aspiration that you will get to that contentment by reciting the mantra. Okay. So that's the purification part. Then eventually you that the aspiration. Uh, uh, 
either you think of finally there's that contentment. And then as you are experiencing that contentment, you find yourself relating with others in a way where there is no, uh, there is no friction. You relate with others smoothly, harmoniously. You relate with others, you say things to others, you think with, of, of others, you act towards others in a way where it's beneficial for everyone involved. You don't have to worry about what should I do somehow. The, what, you sh what you should do naturally comes to your mind. The situations, your, your, your wisdom, I, uh, within that state of contentment allows, that state of contentment allows your wisdom, I, to open so that in that situation you're able to see, ah, this is what is supposed to be done in that situation. You don't have to think, uh, you know, a few days ahead or a few years ahead of planning of what you should do, what you should do, trying things in your mind, but somehow being able to see directly, you're able to see, oh, at that moment, this is what should be said. This is what should be done. And, and at the end of that action, everyone will, will benefit. Okay. So you have, then you think of yourself acquiring those qualities and think of whatever, uh, uh, in whatever ways, whatever spiritual qualities that you find yourself truly aspiring to. If you feel like if loving is, uh, is something that draws you to spirituality, seeing yourself uh, getting those qualities of being able to love. If it's wisdom that uh, attracts you to see yourself getting the wisdom. If it's a sense of freedom that, that aspires, that attracts you, see yourself exp uh, experiencing freedom in all the ways freedom can be experienced. And, that, and somehow there's a different way, let, let yourself be open to a, a different way of experiencing freedom that you're not even, your imagination is not even uh, capable, you're not even capable of imagining yet. You know, being free of time, the, the limitations of time, being free of the limitations of space, being free of the limitations of matter, of consciousness, of the elements, being free of all these kinds of whatever way we can consider a, a limitation, be completely free of them. Even if you find yourself somewhere within your mind that uh, there's no way you can be free of time because time is, because somewhere within you, you might have a, 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 a strict, uh, deep conviction that time is linear, there's no way you can, you know, time just no. evades, no, uh, evaporates. You get, this, you get this present, it evaporates, it becomes the past, which just cannot be touched, and then there's a future, which is just an aspiration, and you, it just cannot be touched. So even if your mind has this uh, concrete uh, conviction that, that, that that's the nature of time, still, whatever way your mind holds onto time, you can say, I'm free of the, of the constraint of time, okay? and space and in whatever other ways that you can think of you wish for you to experience freedom. So in all those ways, in all those spiritual qualities, see yourself the nectar filling you with those qualities. Okay. And at the very end of the meditation, then you take the you take the Buddha Shakyamuni into your heart. And as you are now reciting the mantra, now you see yourself now being uh, uh, becoming the, uh, uh, of the nature of Buddha Shakyamuni. And now, uh, at the very end, think of dedication, making dedications. It is, it, uh, it is considered to be a very auspicious time also to make dedications. So think of things that concerns you, things that are happening in your family, things that are happening uh, with your friends, with your neighbors, in your, in your, 
in your neighborhood, things are happening in places in the, um, in the, in the other places in the world that concerns you and make dedications for those things while you are feeling yourself being uh, Shakyamuni Buddha uh, having become one with your mind and now you're sort of like uh, uh, spreading the, the blessing so to speak okay <laughs> all right that's enough all right. and uh, when you're reciting the mantra try to really connect with it emotionally What's okay. the mantra again? Uh, muni, muni, maha, muni, soha. Soha? Uh-huh. Okay. There's a longer version where you put Buddha Shakyamuni Muni's, Shakyamuni's name in it. Muni, muni, maha, muni, Shakyamuni, soha. Of course, every mantra begins with Om. Okay. Om, muni, muni, maha, muni, soha. Or Om, muni, muni, maha, muni, Shakyamuni, soha. And if that's too elaborate for you, then just recite the mantra and rest in the Dhammakaya. (laughs) (laughs) So we do it out loud or no? Whisper. But we should be moving our lips, right? Forming the syllables. Yeah. Okay. So do the purification as long as you want until you feel next move to the next one. If you feel the other part, you should do that more than whatever you want to feel like doing, stay with the most, stay with that the most. Okay. Right? So go back to re-experience the sense of tranquility. Recall how you experience it in the body. How you experienced it in the breath. Remember the equally palpable experience of it in the mind. senses are still picking up uh, stimuli from your immediate environment, use those to actually help you go deeper. Think of them as sound effect, so to speak, or background effect as you are going deeper.
to bring the Shakyamuni into your heart. So in the very center of your heart is an image of Buddha Shakyamuni. Think of the image as being your mind itself taking on that image. So your mind has become Buddha Shakyamuni. Maybe we can uh, recite the mantra together seven times. And as we're reciting it, think of the places, the people that you would like to make dedications for. Om Muni Muni Mahamuni Soha 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 So as you continue before the uh, sunrise, we have to stay up until sunrise, but until sunrise, uh, keep reciting the mantra, keep re uh, recalling Buddha Shakyamuni, okay? And uh, it may have an effect on your dream. So see if you can, well, be aware of something that happened in your dream. <laughs> 